This podcast is brought to you by the Maryland State Library Agency. The MSLA podcast features presenters from statewide youth programs, as well as learning opportunities for library staff and resources for patrons of the Maryland State Library for the Blind and Print Disabled. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another LBPD podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Biggs, and I am so excited. Today, we have Lisa McCoy. She's a tenured family and consumer sciences educator with the University of Maryland Extension Office. In her 40 years of experience as a registered dietitian nutritionist, she shares her passion for health and wellness through her programs. Stress management is one of Lisa's program areas where she educates people on the impact of stress in their lives and hopes to empower them to make behavior changes to improve their own lives and others around them. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks, Ashley. I'm happy to be here. Well, 40 years of experience and you're at, um, you're currently at the University of Maryland Extension. How did you end up there? Yes. Well, I started out in public health nutrition and I did that for over 20 some years, about, yeah, about 20 years. And I've been with Extension for 10 years. So I did a little bit of things in between with um, raising a family and working part-time, but uh, I love community nutrition because I like giving people tools that they can use and implement changes in their daily lives. And that's really uh, the passion that I have. And extension is a perfect fit for that. Wonderful. Well, it's August and August is happiness month. How does happiness come from nutrition? Okay. Well, you know, happiness is tied to our emotions and our emotions often tie us to eating certain foods. And so I kind of went from just being a nutritionist, talking about what your diet should be, to talk about well, why do we eat what we eat? And so that kind of led me to the stress management and the happiness that goes along with it, because it really all ties together. So how do we define our happiness? That's an interesting thing, because when you look at the definition of happiness, it, they, they define it as an enduring state of mind consisting of not only feeling joy, contentment, and positive emotions, but also just a sense that one's life has meaning and value. And I like to think about happiness not just in one word, but there's a lot of other words that are very synonymous um, with happiness. Um, contentment and joy, they mention cheerfulness. Um, merriment, pleasure. I think one of the biggest things is just satisfaction, that you feel satisfied and content with your life right at that present moment. And that's really key to having a positive outlook on your life. And we're going to talk a little bit about that of, you know, how do you have that positive outlook? Because sometimes it's challenging in today's world to keep a positive outlook when you listen to the news and things around you and the economy, it's, it's very challenging sometimes. But the one thing I want to note is that happy people still feel all of those other emotions, okay? It's not that they're always happy and joyful. They're still going to feel anger, frustration, some boredom, loneliness, um, even sadness from time to time. But the important thing is, is that when they have a situation that's uncomfortable or um, things are not going the way they, they want them to go, they have a sense of optimism to kind of crawl out of that hole. And 
and you know make things better and deal with what is happening. So they don't let themselves get dragged drug down into a situation and then not being able to get out of it, just ruminating about that. And so I think that is that they know they learn the tools and they have that mental ability to just bring them some, themselves out of that situation and feel happy again. So it really can vary from person to person. There's no um, one formula on how to be happy, but uh, we do know some research that shows that some people just naturally have a higher baseline for happiness. And half of that comes from our genes. So I guess we can look at our parents and our grandparents and identify, you know, how were they happy people? Were they content or were they always um, looking for, you know, what's wrong? And then another part is just the external events that happen in our lives. But most of it, 40% is what activities that we do. So if we're doing some things that will help to improve our quality of life. You know, we talk about external events. We talk about genetics. That's a lot to take in. That is a lot. Yeah, you think, oh, it's not that much to be happy, but wow, what what those impacts, the different impacts can can do. And there was an interesting study that I wanted to share that was done at Harvard. Um, it started in 1938, and they are still continuing this study today. And it's wow. like, it's recognized as the world's longest scientific study of happiness. So they have started with like, the initial people that were in the study in 1938, they've worked with their children and they've worked with their grandchildren now in the study. So they've gone from generation to generation. And the biggest difference that they found in living a happy life was to invest in relationships with other people. And the strongest predictors were really that warmth and the quality of that relationship. And I think that's really key because if you think about the pandemic, that we've gone through. And one of the problems that people still have today is that loneliness, that isolation, especially certain individuals, you know, different groups of elderly people many times are more isolated. So I think that really kind of is something we need to be looking at and say, how do we get them interacting with other people? Because that really is going to improve their, their mood and improve their life. Along with a healthy diet, of course. Along with a healthy diet, yes, yes. Because uh -huh. that, that does help to have that um, eating the healthy foods that are going to nurture your your body. You know, how do we how do we prevent loneliness? If we if uh you know, is that you know, as far as it contributes to our happiness, how do we how do we you well, know, we all get lonely from time to time. Right. And, you know, once again, I said, like, you know, happy people can sometimes all have that loneliness, but it's like they don't stay there and don't get stuck. And I think it's having that intention to, like, you know, seek out others. And it could be, you know, if they're not able to get out physically, it could be online. It could be through phone, a phone call, but making sure that they have um, other people that they connect with on a daily basis, I think is really important. Um, you know, trying to keep that connection. And often you may find that family will check in with their with their elderly relatives, you know, frequently just to make sure they're doing okay. And that's really important because it's not just 
are they are they okay physically, but are they okay mentally as well? Because that that's kind of key. Okay. You know, with, with August being happiness month, you know, it it's the month where people are encouraged to try to take stock of their lives and try to do and think about the things that make them happy and to share that joy with others. So, you know, that kind of falls right on in to if you're if you're someone who might be um, homebound, if you're someone who is reliant on, on others to come and go for you, you may not be able to share joy all the time with them. But if you make that effort from what you're saying to share that joy, to share what, what things bring you joy, you may find connection. Yes. Yeah. I think that you have to like look to see. And when you think about, you know, finding happiness, I think the important thing is to look at your life and look at, you know, do you have a balance in your everyday life? And this is a lot for um, individuals, you know, who are working, have a family. Um, So the four areas of finding a balance is your, your work, your play, your love, and your health. So if we are doing lots of work and lots of work and we're not allowing enough time to just kind of have some play time or taking care of our health, eating well, or that love, whether it's with a, with a significant other or your family um, or, or my puppy, you know, he's like, that's a, that's a great happiness for me when he's there waiting for me when I get home and I, you know, from work and we go for a little walk and we get our exercise in and we get some time together, but finding that balance. So you're not just focusing in one area. And we do tend to get that way sometimes in our lives, especially with work, we become focused on that, especially if we don't have anyone living if we're single and we don't have anyone at home, then we just think, well, I might as well work late. And that really doesn't help our happiness at all. I used to be guilty of that. (laughs) I used to be really guilty of that before I met my my partner, when I moved here to Maryland, I worked a lot that first year or so. And then I met my partner and he had four kids. And so working in the evening just kind of became not a thing. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's easy to fall into that. I did the same thing when I first started. I was like so gung ho and I would take things home at work and work on the weekends. And I felt like I never had a break from work. And finally, I said, you know, I need to just not work on work at home. And I really tried to stick to that. I don't do it all the time, but I really do try to stick to that rule of, you know, work is work and home is home. There's so much to be said about setting boundaries and happiness. It sounds really weird and kind of counterproductive because people think of boundaries as like, no, stop, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, or that harsh thing that you do in between, you know, with, with people that you necessarily don't want to spend time with. But I think setting what I call soft boundaries or just expectations of behavior can really affect your mood and what you're willing to do and not do. You know, I totally agree. I think that you really have to look at your who you're around as well, the people that you're interacting with, because you know sometimes we find one thing they find is that happiness really is contagious. It's kind of like laughter. Like if you see, if you're around someone who is laughing and having a good belly laugh, it's difficult not to start laughing yourself, even though you have no idea what they're laughing about. But if you hear someone else laughing, you tend to like laugh with them. 
And happiness is similar, that if you're around happy people, they've done studies to show that if you're around happy people, then you're going to be happier. That must be the secret of the uh, secret society of happy people. <laughs> that must be. I think so. I think well, so. and that's, that's an actual place, the secret society of, of happy oh, really? people. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's a real, it's a real thing. It was founded by Pamela Johnson. They are the society of happy people. Like their whole mission is just to make the world a happier place. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So I, but that must be their secret. <laughs> yes. Yes. No one, no one's allowed in unless they're happy. And the interesting thing with happiness really is it's not just a state of mind, but it really impacts a lot of other things in our lives. What we find is that people have more satisfaction with their life. So we're not just going through the humdrum of everyday life. We're actually enjoying life. Uh, We're having more satisfying romantic relationships when we're happy and we're having stronger relationships. And they have better coping skills. You know, they can deal with setbacks and stress and trauma much better when they're when they're happy. And the best part is they actually live longer. They've done studies to show that people who are happy actually live longer. They had one study that found that people who had positive emotions more than negative were more likely to have survived over a 13-year period. So they have a longer longer lifespan and better health. And they're more likely to actually eat better, have a healthier diet, exercise when they're happy. And that kind of goes in line with your emotion, emotional state. You want to take care of yourself if you're feeling positive about yourself. Yeah, I will say that when when depression hits, you're you're kind of you know not really wanting to do the things that you know you should do to keep yourself running at, at its optimum at its optimal right. peak. Whether whether or not that's, you know, you like to go for a run, whether or not that's baking or or reading a book or, you know, you tend to kind of pull in. Yeah. Self-isolate. Yeah. Kind of seclude yeah. Seclude yourself, isolate yourself and just say, I don't want to do anything. Yes. So that that depression is is a is a real concern. And I think it The pandemic has really highlighted the mental health issues that we have in this country that we didn't, you know, I think they were there before, but it's really just kind of made it more prevalent. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, it's a very prominent thing now when you listen to the news and things that, you know, mental health, people with mental health issues, and there's also more resources. They're, they're coming up with more resource, resources for these individuals as well. I would be remiss if I didn't mention 988, which is the crisis hotline. Yes, that's important. You know, um, yeah. Because with great happiness can sometimes come great, a great fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll make sure to repeat that at the end, uh, 988 for the crisis hotline. I think that's really important, Ashley, because I think, yeah, you know, you can't stay up there on that high all the time. And so you're going to have those those dips and just how far do you go down is really the important thing. And the other other thing with happiness that helps is that people who have hap- that are happier, have more positive emotions, actually have a better immune system and they get sick less often. Really? Yes. So I think that's really um, interesting to know that um, it's 
it, it impacts your health as well. You know, I can I can kind of see that. You know, I have a a friend back in Mississippi who I she I just call her perpetually happy mm-hmm. because even when uh, moments of great stress where I would be freaking out if I were her, she's just very um, cheerful and thankful for what she what she has. You know, she's she's never taken a sick day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, like uh, she's worked at uh, a particular bank down in Mississippi for 10 years. And she's, um, I said, don't you ever take a sick day? She goes, no, I've never called out sick. She goes, I've planned vacation. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Well, the vacation is a good thing to put in there, but wow. Yeah. So either yeah. she's got a great immune system or she is fitted. One or the other. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I know. I've, I've heard people that like, I take mental health days sometimes, you know, because I just need that break from things. Um, and I don't feel guilty about it. It's like, Hey, I need a day for me. That's the hard part about taking mental health days is because you don't, you're not sick. You're not in bed necessarily curl up, you know, and sneezing and coughing. You're just, yeah. you just need a break. Yeah. And I think that, you know, our society, we tend to usually say, Oh, that's, that's just being lazy. Mm. You know, you're just, you know, you just have to like, you know, keep going. And I think we've really learned, hopefully for many people that it's okay, you got to take care of yourself, because that's the first person you need to take care of is yourself. And if you're not healthy, mentally and physically, then you can't be productive and helping others. Well, isn't that isn't that why they have that rule on airlines that you put the, the oxygen mask on yourself first before you that's put it right. on anybody else? That's right. You got to take you care of yourself. Out, you can't help anybody that's else. Right. Yeah, so I think that's really critical that people need to know that, you know, it's it's being being in tune with you, what your body needs is really important. And uh, sometimes people just think that, oh, it's I can take I can get away from that. But you really need to be in tune. And, you know, we talk about stress because stress is in everybody's life. Right. But everybody deals with stress differently. And I just want to quickly and it's going to be very, very brief, talk about the brain, because the brain is where we process those emotions. And one thing to notice is that our brains are naturally wired for negativity. So we are like at a setback to start with. There's actually three parts of our brain. We have our reptilian brain, which I call the snake. And that's where our survival instinct is, our fight or flight. So when we had the, our ancestors were hunting for food and they had to run from the lion, you know, they, they probably ran faster than they ever thought they could because it was that survival instinct that just said, get out of here. So that, that kind of kicks in, but then you have your emotional brain, which I call your, your cuddly puppy. Okay. And that's the one that really helps you to focus on your connections with others and your rewards. But then you have your thinking brain, which sometimes can go over, we're overworking, right? And I call that your little calculator, okay? Because it does all of the thinking, the planning, the decision-making, the reasoning. Some people's thinking brains work too much and they forget the emotional brain, right? But just understanding that when we are dealt with like some kind of stress in our lives, we have. Um, 
first it goes to the emotional one and it does a processing and then it sends to the thinking brain. And the brain can either overreact to the stress and go right into a stress response, a negative stress response, where people know they, they go screaming, they're yelling, or they go into a depression and just don't talk to anyone. Or they can have a positive stress response where they actually look at it and say, okay, it's not really that bad. And I think that we can really um, work on this and trying to change that brain from looking at the stress to, to saying, how can we do this? And it takes practice. You have to understand that your brains are wired to be negative. And you have to practice how you deal with in, with different parts of your life when you have situations that come up to react differently. And one of the best ways is to take a step back. And we say we call it mindfulness. And people have heard a lot about this over the recent years. And that's really a good way to cultivate that happiness because you're focusing on what's happening in the present moment. We're not worrying about what happened in the past. We're not worrying about what's going to happen in the future, which is usually where our stress comes from. It's not what's happening right now. It's usually we're thinking about what happened in the past or what's going to happen in the future. So we're just going to be in the present moment and just observe what our thoughts and emotions are. And the key is we can't judge ourselves. We can't say, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that. We just recognize them and say, oh, that really makes me mad. Now, this sounds simple, and it, but it, it does get easier as you do it, but it really helps you to acknowledge those feelings instead of struggling with them. And then it helps you to release that they're not, that their potency, and you release that negativity. So even just taking some deep breaths, I, I use the example of you're in, um, I was driving back from Savannah, Georgia last week, just got on 95. And we're driving along maybe more an hour. And I had eight hours to drive. Traffic starts slowing down. And then we're stopped. And then we're inching along. And then we're stopped. And I don't like that. <laughs> I get very stressed. When I'm like, so, you know, I had to like talk myself and say, okay, just take a deep breath. I can't control what's happening. And lots of times that's the issue is that we want to control something that's out of our control. So I just take a deep breath and I just say, okay, you know, I can't, I just have to sit here and wait like everybody else, put some nice music on. Luckily I had my sister with me so I could talk to somebody, but if I didn't, you know, you could have books on tape, something like that. So just thinking about um, even making a phone call to say, Hey, we're stuck in traffic here. I just thought I'd call you. Um, I had that connection with somebody to help me deal with that stress and um, people that, that drive, on the beltway and commute to work every day. I don't know if I could deal with that. <laughs> well, and, and there's plenty of science to back up the whole stress has, has a major effect on your body. So, yes, you know, um, for me, stressful situations, um, I turn off my emotional brain and I go to the overthinking and I think about every possibility. I, I always have a clear path on how to get out of it, but as soon as it's over, man, whoo. My body is like, you're done. Yes, it's exhausting. Yeah, it really, it is really exhausting. is. Cortisol yeah. in your brain just goes. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. It's like that that once I, that cortisol gets there, it's hard to um, just eliminate it. So it, it can be it's it's challenging to do. It's really challenging, but um, you know, you know, doing some techniques like the mindfulness helps to really to and gratitude is another thing. They've done many studies on gratitude, and um, that's one of the ways to cultivate some happiness is really just showing gratitude. And it could just be basically um, keeping a gratitude journal, writing down every day a few things that really made you happy, made you smile today, or someone that you're great, what you're grateful for. So, so could you keep a happiness journal instead? Sure. Yeah. You could do the happiness journal. Just what made you happy today? What brought you joy? I, I think of my 10-year-old stepson and he um, he's always got something making him happy. Always got something making him happy. And he's just, and it's usually something very simple like Legos or dad played Fortnite with me or, <laughs> or by the way, Ashley, um, did you know? And he wants to tell me about what he saw on YouTube, you know, <laughs> um, which in turn makes me really happy because, right. you know, I get to have that connection with him. Well, you know, and you think about, you know, that's kind of where like the happiness is contagious. You know, if you're around someone and children are wonderful because they, they have no filters. They see the world as a happier place. When you think about it, they, they're really like looking at things and looking for ways to enjoy life. And it's nothing better than to see children laugh about something that's very simple, but it makes them happy. And it makes you happy as well. So going back to happiness, um, Happiness Month was actually founded in 2000 by the Society of Happy People. I want to know, what can I do if I'm not feeling, you know, because I know it's different for everyone. You know, some for some people like NASCAR makes them really happy. For others, it's watching the uh, Great British Bake Off. Others, it's listening to a great audiobook. Um, but what are some things people can try to boost their happiness in the moment? One thing is really um, focusing on some positive memories. So if you are, you're say you're in August and it's a beautiful day outside, or you may think about a vacation that you went on to the beach when you were younger and how much fun you had. And that can bring you that happiness right there. Um, just trying to think about, you know, a simple, this is, this is, sounds very simple, but I've heard this before. You probably have too, but smile. One act of smiling actually increased feelings of happiness in participants in a study. So try laughter, yoga, or um, trying to do something, reading the comics to laugh. I mean, laughter is another way that we express happiness. So, you know, having like a, a comic strip or something that you read. My dad, he he just passed away earlier this year at 96, but he, his favorite thing was to read Peanuts. And he would read the Peanuts comic every day or the whole page. And he, if I was there with him, he'd be like, okay, listen to this. And he'd read me the comics. And that was just, and he would just chuckle and laugh. And, it, you know, it brought him happiness. And it's, it's something that we, you know, have to look for those ways that we can just see what really makes us happy. Is it okay? You know, 
maybe being with other people, maybe just watching our favorite movie, reading a good book. What's going to make you feel content? And we're a library with access to over 500,000 books. So oh, we could probably have a book to make someone happy. Exactly. I love reading. I love books. So audiobooks, reading books, I love them all. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big reader and love to do that. I think another thing people can do to find happiness and to be happier is to find something that they want to do with like being creative. Like, do they want to learn a new skill? They want to learn to knit or do they want to learn woodworking? Um, you know, learning something new is really kind of good because it helps your brain. You know, you're using your brain and you feel like you're doing something. You're be making something and being productive. And finding that sense of purpose in your life, it could also be volunteering because when you help others, I had a really good quote here. Let me find it here. The golden rule of happiness is the more you make others happy, the happier you will be. So I think, you know, being, trying to find ways that you can help others, volunteering or talking with other people, being that, that sounding board for people because as we mentioned earlier, lonely people, they just want someone to talk to. You know, in June, we had Meals on Wheels here. And one, they're always looking for volunteers. Yes. But two, they actually have a um, call connect system where they will put people who are homebound or who can't get out in touch with other people to like almost like a well check, but it's it's a oh. chance to have a conversation with someone. And um, they've got other really neat services. So those kind of things are are available in our community. You know, in this case, it's a sliding scale um, from free to cost, you know, a couple of dollars. But, um, you know, so that might be an option for individuals. Yeah, I think that Meals on Wheels is such a, a lifeline for those individuals that are homebound. I mean, they they look forward every day to that person who delivers their meals because that's their connection to the outside world. And you're right. So if they don't have that, it's really, you know, challenging for them. Well, and they, they found that the individuals who were, um, you know, getting meals through their service, but, and who might not be able to get out, wanted, still wanted to give back and wanted to volunteer and, but couldn't go to the facility. So that's how they came up with this call connect system. That's perfect. And so it's, you know, it's a lot of people who, you know, just want to give back in some way. I never heard of that. So that's nice to know that they have that. I know that it's hard to get Meals on Wheels. There's, there's always a waiting list to get on Meals on Wheels. And so it's, it's a well much needed service and we never have enough people. Right. But hey, guys, a little tip to be happy. Join Meals on Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, and the other thing to remember is that, you know, having those strong relationships, that social support, whether it's through your connect with Meals on Wheels or through your, your church or religious or community organizations, that social support is so critical. And it's never too late to form those. I mean, some people may say, oh, but I'm in my 80s now. I'm not going to, you know, I'm too old to make new friends. You're never too old. It might be an old friend that you haven't talked with for several years. You know, call them. They're probably just as lonely and missing you as you are missing them. So, you know, think of ways that you can 
rekindle some of those friendships that you may have had before or find something you can do for people that you care about. I think that's really important to really help. You're improving your mood, like we said. You're doing something for someone else, making them happy, and it makes you happy in return. So it's a perfect solution for that. Physical activity is a great mood booster as well. And we've heard that before. Just taking a walk, whatever you can do. I think I like being out in nature. I love being outside. So that really just helps me to feel better if I'm having a bad day. I make myself go for that walk. Well, my dog makes me go for that walk. But it's good because then I usually feel better. I'm tired when I get home from work. I'm like, oh gosh, he's going to want to go outside and he's been home all day sleeping and I've been working. And sure enough, I'm like, all right, let's go. And 20, 30 minutes later, I have more energy when I walk back in the door. So that really does help to um, boost that energy and boost your mood. So that's something else for people to consider. And of course, we can't forget eating your vegetables. Eating those vegetables, yes. Those healthy vegetables out of all the good antioxidants that you need, I mean, those are our immune support there is eating those those fruits and vegetables, but really the vegetables are really critical to have that to keep you healthy. It just, it boggles my brain that something as simple as nutrition can affect your mood. Oh yeah. You know, I, to be fair, I had a donut for breakfast. So. Okay. <laughs> um, well, and I think, you know, we, we, we find that the processed foods is what really impacts your health negatively the most. So, you know, a lot of the sugars and fats and, you know, occasionally you have those for breakfast. It's okay. But I mean, when that's what your, your basic diet is, I tell people if they really, you know, may not have the resources to go out and cook or get, get the grocery shopping, there's lots of meal prep companies that you could, they'll send you meals that you can make yourself at home, or they'll send you meals that are already prepped. You just have to put them in the microwave and and heat them up. So you can eat healthy. They could be expensive to do that. I just started a thing where I do like a meal prep and I, and I spent Sunday fixing a soup, a, a lemony split pea soup, which is delicious with carrots and and onions and celery and turmeric and everything. So I made that. And then I made like a salad dressing that was from scratch without any oil. And um, and then I made like an overnight oats. So I have them all laid out. And then I just pull them out of the refrigerator on the day that I want to have something and it's already made. Yeah, I have a I have a similar service. It's called emails. And every week they email me a, a, a grocery list uh, for oh. my for my meals. Oh, cool. Um, okay. My kids don't like it, but <laughs> it's helpful for me. So I don't exactly. struggle to plan. You don't have to think about it. Exactly. Right. The more you can do, and, and that's the nice thing now. We have so many resources out there to help us to eat healthy that we don't have to rely on those processed foods as much. When should someone reach out to a medical professional about their their happiness or lack thereof and maybe seek resources. Yeah, I think that's a good point because, you know, people have times that they may normally be happy, but they may be going through some really difficult times. And I think if you've had like 
probably continued feelings of helplessness, negativity for a couple weeks. I think it would be important to reach out, maybe start with your primary care provider and make an appointment with them. And then they can do like a little assessment, a mental assessment, mental health assessment and determine, um, you know, what what you may need. I strongly believe that having someone to talk to that's not biased, um, family members are great, friends are great, but, you know, I found going, when I was going through a divorce that I really needed that person who was not biased and would like just listen to what I had to say and then tell me what they thought and what I could do and, you know, gave me some suggestions. And so I think having a counselor to talk to, and, and the nice thing is insurance most health insurance companies cover that now. There really shouldn't be a stigma for people who have counseling because I think everyone needs counseling sometime in their life and they're missing out if they don't don't reach out and get that because it can help them improve their life, their happiness and improve their mental health immensely if they have that. So it's not something to be embarrassed about. People go through that. And that's, that's kind of just the way it is, but you do want to seek help. You don't want to just keep on thinking that you can do it yourself uh, because it probably, it could get worse and you don't want that to happen. I think that's a really good point, Ashley, to to make sure that, you know, if, if things are not, and it could be like, it's just something out of the blue that happened that you just can't get over. And that happens sometimes. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, you need to, to get out there. So, um, and again, I'm going to recite that crisis hotline 988. Yes. One, it's free, but two, you're, you're talking to trained counseling volunteers. So is there anything else you want to share about happiness? I just going to share a quote that I have. Um, this is from the, the Dalai Lama. It says, happiness is not something ready-made, but it comes from your own actions. So it's what you make of it. And everyone is going to be different. Everyone has their own challenges. Everyone has different stories, their backgrounds. But happiness is different to everybody. And it's just having that contentment and feeling a sense of purpose in your life and that you have joy and happiness when you when you wake up in the morning and um if you're not, then you have to look at look at what's happening in your life and what what can you change. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you to the Extension Office for supporting the program because every time I call, they they uh, <laughs> have someone ready. We are happy to do that. Thank you so much for having me. I really have enjoyed talking to you, Ashley. All right. Great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our podcast. Tune in for next month's podcast, which is all about uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. So thank you so much. And we'll see you again next month. This has been a presentation of the Maryland State Library Agency. For links to additional resources provided by today's presenter, please visit the show notes. For more information on MSLA or the Maryland State Library for the Blind and Print Disabled, visit marylandlibraries.org.